Hi, my name is Jamie Lynch, and you are listening to Eating Habits, my podcast about everything restaurants. I will explore the human element of the hospitality business, and I'll talk to the who's who in restaurants, explore their stories, and hear what's on their minds in the ever-changing landscape of the food and beverage industry. Hi, my name is Corey McGovern, and you are listening to Eating Habits. Stop your laughing. You're such a goofball. <laughs> I'm really excited to introduce Corey McGovern. She is my fiance and my executive assistant. She's my sun, my moon, my rock, and just an all-around awesome person. I thought it might be fun to discuss with her today what her experience is like since meeting me and, and how her relationship to food has changed and, and her role working directly with with the chef and then you know having to go home to a chef as well what that's like so with no further ado this is eating habits with Corey mcgovern hey babe hi <laughs> so for first question i wanted to ask you for our listeners is i want you to to describe kind of what your relationship to food was prior to us meeting you know what kind of meals you cooked for yourself kind of how you looked at cuisine or if you looked at cuisine or read cookbooks or anything and then how that maybe changed when we met and then kind of where you're at now five years later let's see before we met I would say that the biggest culinary influence would probably be my grandmother and still is let's talk about that for a minute okay so your grandmother is the person who cooks um, I've been to many of these family every holiday meal every single one birthdays holidays and she always goes way <laughs> overboard if there's any occasion to get the family together and make a meal that's your grandma's jam i love it yeah yeah and so let's talk about what those meals look like the table's full of food there's hardly room for our plates it's jam-packed full of our family how many people are typically at those those gatherings I would probably say seven or eight, yeah. maybe nine. I don't know. Can you fit nine people at her table? That's probably uh, yeah, it's the cap. I think, yeah, that's the, the cap. cap. I think that's the cap. <laughs> yeah. So nine people, and then, you know, there's just numerous dishes. I would say at least usually three kind of like protein main course type dishes, usually a soup, sometimes a salad, sometimes both, and then a bunch of sides like potatoes and vegetables and things like that. It's just a – and there's always – probably 50 pounds of leftovers. Yeah, there's a lot of prep involved. And I didn't, before I met you, really understand how much time is involved in cooking and how much prep is involved. And, you know, we'd go to her house and have these great meals. You know, she's a great cook. But I think after you and I met, I started to really appreciate and understand how much this woman works her butt off in her kitchen. And we get to spend it with family, which to me is just, it's made it super special. And I look forward to every single meal that she, she prepares. But as far as like taking any of that knowledge from her and then implementing it into my everyday cooking, that was like not a thing. I would go to survival mode at every meal and it would be boiling a bag rice or boiling you know chicken frozen chicken breasts and you know what I could do to just get on with my day it was it was survival the extent of us going out to dinner would be like going to Applebee's or going to Chili's and things like that it was like a special occasion that was that was where we went out to dinner I didn't know any other restaurants honestly other than that 
at your house with like mom and dad, what were meals like? If you guys weren't going out to, to one of those kind of fast casual joints, what was a meal like typically for the family? Whatever was the quickest and easiest <laughs> to prepare. I gotcha. don't think there was any rhyme or reason. It was just like... Did they cook like, like fresh ingredients? Did they cook from like cans or boxes, like prepared stuff? Or was it kind of like convenience foods? What was kind of the bulk of... Of the, of the food that you guys would, would I would say it. we would normally order takeout or it would be prepared um, boxed foods like dinner like prepared dinners kind of things yeah gotcha for sure how did that change when we met so you and I met like five years ago right yeah yeah how did that change for you what was that like well I remember the first meal I ever cooked you I don't know if you remember it. I'm not sure. <laughs> tell, tell us. What but was it? you you ate it and you were drunk. And then the next day you're like, oh, no, I tasted it. You're like, but it needs seasoning. I'm like, damn, I was like super proud of like all of the ingredients that I put in. But it was a, it was a recipe that I got from like some shitty health magazine that was not super actually was it tacos? healthy. Yeah, it was the Peruvian uh, tacos. I remember. See? Good job. No, no, thanks. <laughs> The Peruvian tacos just yeah. needed a little bit of seasoning. It just needed seasoning, and I didn't know that. I didn't know the extent of it. I mean, it's. I think developing a palate and developing, you know, a sense of what a dish needs comes with time. And um, I'm a fast learner, so I was just watching you able to learn a lot. I think you taught me how to butcher a chicken over the telephone while you were in the kitchen. I was at home. Within like five minutes, it was really, it was really something special and cool that I never anticipated to learn, but I feel like I've done a good job in learning to cook and I'm not too bad at it now. I would say that you're actually a very good cook now. You definitely pick up things quickly. You definitely season well now, but we'll get to that. Like, so what changed? So once we got together, started spending a lot of time together, we moved in together. What, what was that like? you know, dating a chef. I kind of want to know how that changed your cooking, right? Like before we met, you were boiling bags of rice and chicken breasts <laughs> yeah. with no salt right? to wanting to butcher a chicken, right? I remember that phone call, right? You called me one day, I was like at work in the kitchen and, and you're like, hey, I need to know how to break this chicken down. I was like, oh, all right, cool. Mm. Why? Well, I guess um, I was kind of the chef for my dad and my mom well I guess for the family before I met you and creating meals for my dad to help lower his cholesterol keep him healthy and things like that so I had that purpose in his household and uh, it made me feel like I was valued so when I moved out I, w I needed and wanted to feel value in your life and I think looking in your pantry when I first met you was a can of soup and a roll of paper towel and that was literally it that was what was in your pantry and I was like holy shit this dude cooks for everybody but he does not cook for himself so I if I can make a halfway decent meal and just get tips on how to help keep you alive <laughs> That made me happy. It made me feel a part of part of your world. Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know, <laughs> it's funny to hear that because it's true. I don't cook for myself. I would never cook for myself 
by myself. Yeah. Like I just, that's not something I would ever do. No, you would, you would send me pictures of you at the Harris Teeter and be like, okay, what, what kind of frozen pizza should I get today? And I gave you the brand, but I looked at the picture and I'm like, he's got, he's sick. So he's got the cold and flu medicine. You had a bottle of wine and you had a frozen, frozen pizza screaming Sicilian. That was your grocery store trip. It just kept me living. Yeah. So it's funny that I can relate to, you know, Mm pre-meeting, right? I feel like your, your approach (laughs) to cooking was similar to my approach to when I cook for myself. Just staying right? alive. Just stay alive. <laughs> I gotta get through another day. Yeah. Right? But then as you, you know, you have a significant other or people you care about, mm-hmm. right? Then, you know, the interest in putting a little more effort into it um, arises, right? Because I put a lot of effort into the meals that I prepare or the menus that I create for the restaurants, for our guests, or if I cook for family or friends. There's a lot of energy that goes into it. So the desire to learn to cook better came from um, the desire to feel valued and play a role in our relationship, keeping me alive so I can work and stuff. Is that true? Yeah, I think that's honestly, I, I don't know if it's just me, but it's, I think it's with any relationship you find where you, you fit in and when you love and care for someone, you care for them in the ways that they need and help them put a smile on their face. Yeah. That's how we cater to people. That's how I cater to people. Yeah. I'm not as hospitable, I guess, in that sense to random strangers, but if I love you, you're going to be taken care of by me. Yeah, that's true. I can vouch for that. You definitely do that for sure. (laughs) Thanks. Do you get, do you get pleasure out of cooking? Do you enjoy doing it? Cause you're also an artist, right? Right. Your paintings are amazing. Thank you. I'm probably your biggest fan. Maybe your mom. I don't know. I think I'm a bigger fan <laughs> of your artwork, but you also used to do leather work. That's how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, you did custom really cool artistic leather. Goods. Actually we met at the tattoo shop when that's I was, right. oh, when that's I was right. tattooing, but that's yeah. right. But I reached out to you for a chef bag. That's how we met. You made um, a very cool. That's leather, how we started dating. Right. Yeah. The leather chef bag. Yes. Um, after I got off a of Top Chef, um, but then, then you know that kind of moved into painting. You do amazing oil paints. Do you get any of that sort of artistic gratification from cooking, or is it more just like a, like a chore? Or depends on the day, but uh, I definitely since I have a grasp on what I'm doing, it's, it's, it's a lot more exciting for me to come up with dishes, especially when I come up with them with you Mm -hmm. and push ideas for the restaurant. Now, if it's like at home cooking, yeah, there's obviously we've got a new recipe book that we have for our at home cooking, which I'm excited about, but it just depends on how crazy our week has been, how crazy our day has been. But for the most part, I absolutely love love, love, love being able to be creative and come up with dishes and you just get excited off of some ideas that I have going through my brain is cool. Cool. It was not expected when I first met you though. So you mentioned when you first, the first meal you made for me, what was that experience like starting to cook? Um, Because I wouldn't do it at home if it was, you know, I was a takeout. I I was working all the time long, long hours and just no energy to cook Mm -hmm. um, when I wasn't working. So what was that experience like for you learning to cook or starting to cook in that 
you know, for me and with the chef. It was scary. It was, it's intimidating. Um, it's also like really cool because I guess it's because I'm a quick learner and I learn super easy by watching, which it becomes instant gratification for me for through most things. So as far as cooking and being good at it and picking things up super fast, it was really exciting. It wasn't, you know, it was exciting for me. It was, I don't so know. it was a little intimidating at first, but then kind of as you yeah, start to pick up. Yeah, you're a hot shot thing. top chef and I'm <laughs> cooking meals for you. It's scary. <laughs> I think anyone who's ever cooked for you, regardless of their stature in the culinary field or just in, in your life in general, it's nerve wracking. I mean, your mom might not care, but <laughs> I think. <laughs> am I, I, think am everyone, I a harsh critic? No, 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 no. I just think, um, I think it's, it's just a scary thing. You're a very reputable chef who has a great palate, who knows a shit and you want that approval from a chef. Yeah. Even chefs need that approval from another chef. Sure. My mom, my grandma, it doesn't matter. I think that approval is like, Hey, did I do a good job? What does it need? So there's, there's some value in that, right? Yeah, totally. the approval or, or, you know, the nod from the chef that yeah. that's a good, good and one. you are super easy going, you will eat literally whatever. But when I first met you, that's how I felt. I'm like, this is scary as shit. I'm cooking <laughs> for a chef. And how would you feel about your relationship to food now? So, f- you know, fast forward, we're five years into a relationship. We've been, we work together. Um, so we're together all the time yeah. daily. You're, you're in all the different kitchens with me experiencing you you're, you've got access to tons of chefs now executive chefs in their own right lots of lots of skill yeah yeah, yeah. you've cre- you've created a monster <laughs> you, you, so tell me about that what's that like you've created a monster how? i mean how well i guess for as far as like the romanticism of going out to dinner with you is non-existent <laughs> yeah d- date night is no longer yeah uh, I, it, it is like not on purpose we look for the things that could be better but when it's like if it's flawless or if it tastes amazing it's icing on the cake but most of the time it's stressful it's also you you create a palette you know what something is supposed to taste like and how it's really well done so when it's not up to par you just you just notice it it's something that we talk about at dinner time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, so the, the romanticism of, of a meal out at a restaurant is kind of, is, is now work. It's kind of been diminished to more of a, I mean, if it's, the, if it's not the food, it's the you service know, or the ambiance, the, the, the playlist, the, the mold on the air vent or oh, whatever. <laughs> it's something <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, we're always looking at the operation as a whole. Um, and how it all interplays to create an experience, which then <laughs> takes away. The... We're terrible. We're terrible. But we we do it within each other's. <laughs> I, I don't. I disagree. I don't think we are terrible. You say we're terrible, but I think we're just attentive to an operation. And, and we have to be. It's our job. It's our job, and we have multiple operations that we're trying to operate at a very high level. Yeah. And it's easy to get wrapped up in that when you're, you know, since that's what we do all day, right. Is, is how do we make things better? We're always looking for ways to improve. It's easy to spot those things when we're out. 
for the record, it wasn't mold on our ceilings. It was another restaurant in <laughs> Annapolis, in Maryland. Annapolis, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. The French. The, I just the, want to make the, that clear. The French bistro. Yeah. I'll never no, go back No, let's not specify. No. I, That's it. I'm just going to say <laughs> yeah, the French bistro it, in Annapolis. Just leave it there. They need to clean their air vents. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's I, our job now. I remember when we, f- I first ate at your restaurant. You told me which restaurant you gotta be. Ugh, at the time, your restaurant it was Five Church Atlanta, and you told me you have to find something wrong with a- anything and any part of your experience. You have to find something wrong. I'm like, I love everything because I was used to chilies and boil in a bag. So that was my knowledge but over time you Patrick and Alejandro would get together and have these like business meetings and you would point out things and I would taste and I would be like holy shit I see it I taste it I smell it like whatever it is it created I just it it was really cool to listen to y'all's dynamic from a outsider's perspective and it taught me a lot a lot about what to look for in food and service and the restaurant industry in general. Uh So yeah, you created this monster. (laughs) (laughs) You definitely have an elevated palate now. Do you think you have an expert palate? I'm what, what do you think your palate is like? I think that I have, I think that I have an expert palate. Then Then I think I have an expert palate. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's been certain dishes where I've pulled out ingredients that you and um, Patrick were like, what is that? What is that? And I immediately, it was like, it's this. <laughs> and I take pride in that because I'm like, this is something that you guys taught me. And I was able to figure it out and nail it. And sure enough, it was like, you know, for example, rotten tomatoes. Like mm-hmm. you could you could pull that from a dish or um, just anything in general, this needs more acidity or it could use a little bit more seasoning. I feel like I've, I've shared enough meals with you and listened to your criticisms to, and I am not a cocky person, to be able to say that I do have a, a really good palate. I think. You do. You do have a very good palate. What is, so what is that shift like from going from, you know, previously from our relationship, you, you worked at a tattoo shop for a while, you were a tattooer. Mm-hmm. You did a lot of custom leather work, doing your own business with making you know custom leather goods to a life that was then kind of 100% around food, mm-hmm. restaurants, all day, every day. Right. What was that shift like for you? I guess I never really had time to think about that shift because I still dabble in doing artwork, but it was... Uh, the pressure of having to create something permanent on somebody's body while having to, you know, talk to them and pet their emotions. Like it's like physically and emotionally extremely draining. And, you know, you're bent over all sorts of ways to contort to their bodies. It's, I mean, it is, it's, (laughs) It's exhausting. It was exhausting. And then I went from that to something still like leather work. So the transition from that to leather work was easy as pie. Uh, People were still extremely excited about it. It was less of a commitment because it's not something permanent that they're putting on their bodies. It was easier emotionally for me, but people didn't want to, my clientele didn't necessarily want to always pay the price for what it 
how long it took me and you know so that transition to restaurant was like oh this calm controlled environment of like me myself and I to to chaos <laughs> but I'm always entertained like I'm always on my toes I'm always entertained and honestly always inspired I mean it's it's an inspiring company it's a really cool um, transition and I think I have tried to navigate it with few bumps so far in the road um, and I just you know want to do a good job restaurants and hospitality work is often categorized as controlled chaos that's I would agree with that <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean I would that's yeah. I think that that is what a good operation feels like right there's a very high level of energy the tempo is quick um, things there's a lot of moving parts working simultaneously on on an experience and any one thing could go wrong or multiple things could go wrong at any moment and and do and do go wrong often and how you pick up the pieces and and roll with the punches and execute is whether a restaurant or an experience feels like chaotic or controlled chaos how do those experiences feel for you? Like, how do you handle those? Do you handle those kind of like, well, is that something that you thrive in or is that something you're kind of like? Well, I think I appreciate the perspective that I get to see and have within the company and within your relationship with your business partners. It is something that I wouldn't have been able to see had I not been you know, in this part of your world. How does the, how does that kind of environment, like the restaurants, the controlled chaos, how does that affect you? I've had to learn that I cannot and should not try and control any sort of issue other than the issues that come directly from you. I can be a great sounding board, a better partner, when I remove my emotions from the anxiety and just let you have that because you own the business and just love and care for you. And I have had to learn that the hard way within this transition of, you know, being your help, but also being your partner, your loving partner at the same time, more importantly, honestly, mm -hmm. I have not perfected it yet, but I don't think any of us have. No. <laughs> I don't know. It's I'm hard. I'm not sure that anyone has. It's, it's hard. It is hard. Well, and, and the thing is, I think, I mean, one of the things is that the hospitality business is hospitality. It's taking care of others. It's giving to others. And then in restaurants, that's, you know, that's exacerbated by, you know, we have the service and then we also prepare the food. It's not just, hey, do you have everything you need? It's that we actually, we actually, you know, make the food from scratch we prep it we cook it prepare it serve it and then the same with the beverage the playlists the lighting the ambiance the space all of those things is a lot a lot of energy it's and that can be draining and i think if it's easy to become emotionally attached to that because you're putting so much of yourself into it and um and so when that goes haywire it can feel like you're coming unraveled or, you know, these kind of crazy experiences and, and problems are happening to you, right, personally, rather than to 
the restaurant or, or the team or whatever. For sure. I constantly have to check myself because obviously I want everything to go perfect all the time to make, you know, you happy and for you to be successful. And, you know, I have have to come to the terms with like, there's always going to be issues that we will navigate, but also check my sense in a sense, like in a, in a sense that in a sense where I can be like overbearing to you about like things that are going wrong and be like, this is not a huge issue right now. This Mm -hmm. can wait or, you know, not, not care too much to where it drives you fucking insane. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's a good point. So let's elaborate on that. What is it like now? And I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not flawless at it, but I'm working on it. I appreciate that. What is it like going from an environment where, you know, you're in charge right of your your work and everything else and then working obviously with a team you know I think one of the things about Fifth Street Group and the restaurants is that we are very team motivated team orientated you know there is only we is all the you know is is our company motto Patrick myself and Alejandro are definitely you know a unit a business unit we work really closely together and have a lot of trust in each other through experience. I mean, I don't think we started out that way, but we've earned that respect and trust for each other over time that, you know, we are very close as business partners. And then, so then you moving into a group like that, where now, you know, there's a lot of personalities, there's a lot of managers, owners involved, and now you're part of a team. And then also having to work with me um, closely. What's that experience been like? How's that been for you? And then, well, I guess I owned my own leather business and did that transition for my own personal reasons. So joining a team again was something that I missed that I, I think I needed as much as I like, like to be alone and do my own thing and sit in peace and old man quiet sometimes. It's something that I've, I feel like I've navigated and will navigate fairly well is picking up on other people's personalities, being really empathetic, sometimes too empathetic towards like exhausting, but all in all, like it's what it has professionally made me grow. And that's something that I didn't know I needed, but definitely is something that this company and you specifically have taught me was to be a better professional. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like, I in, still in what have. Way, like in what ways do you feel you've grown um, as part of the team? Like how, in what ways has the team atmosphere helped you grow as a professional and person? How I communicate, mm-hmm. um, how I communicate issues or how I communicate things that have gone well or just communication in general, you know, you can have that perspective personally, which I've had, obviously I'm, I'm a twin. So I naturally, I have, I've had to consider how someone feels my entire life. And I notice and pick up on really like random things from other people. So I think being able to communicate that or navigate through that professionally, because the two are very different, you know, as far as this person's crying, you don't necessarily need to go hug them every single time, especially when you're the owner's 
fiance. You know, there's, <laughs> there's specific boundaries of like what I can and can't do, but professionally it's just, well, and also what you should do. It's a puzzle. It's a right? puzzle, but it's a, you know, it's something that is learned. I think the, the management of people is the most difficult part of a team environment, mm-hmm. you know, especially from a leadership role. Luckily, I think for you, or unluckily, depending on how you look at it, all you need to manage no, is yeah. me. I feel pretty fortunate <laughs> yeah. in that aspect. Like you really only have to manage me. Right. You know, and then, and then, but I mean, you do have tasks. I mean, I put you on task where I need you to communicate with the teams and like you're, you know, you're handling communication from me to, to my chefs or, or, you know, my partners or the teams or whatever. So communication is super important. But on a day-to-day basis, you're really only managing me and my craziness. But that, I mean, I think, I mean, at least for me is the most difficult part of what we do is how do you communicate in a way that is clear and concise and gets your messages across? But stays professional. Stays professional, but is also considerate and empathetic to where your team is at, right? right? I think that's been my biggest progress over the past probably like three or four years. I would 1000% agree. Yeah, I think I've been, that's what I've been working on really over this time. And I think you, the empathy part for you comes very naturally. You're just very empathetic person. You're very emotionally connected or aware, I guess. So I could see how that would be a challenge, right? How do you balance that empathy with communication and professionalism? And then also like, you know, a lot of times we have to have conversations with people that aren't the romantic, inspiring, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that's involved. So that's a tricky minefield to navigate at times. I think you've done it well. Thanks. Yeah. So far you got, thank you. Let me knock on wood. (laughs) My head. What is it like for you on your day to day working with me directly, how I work and my personality and my drive and you know, all that, how does that, affect you? How do you work with that? Can you speak to that at all? I think that's an interesting, I think we, you and I are very different. Right. I would, I would describe myself as being extremely high energy. You know, when I'm focused, it's laser focused. And when I'm not focused, it can be a bit erratic and kind of spontaneous. You know, the way I create and manage and stuff is very, like a tornado sometimes, I think, Yeah. you know, as, as things arise, I, you know, I could shift and pivot quickly and, you know, multitask and things like that. And it can seem crazy and chaotic, although there's a it rhyme is, and reason to it. It is. But I think I like, as much as I am uh, very like methodical and I've got my lists and I, you know, knock shit out. Uh, if you give me like multiple tasks, say per day, it's going to be done probably within a couple hours, if not like less, like I get it done very quickly. But I think the exciting part for working with you is that what happens with your job is that it's literally minute by minute could be what the fuck ever. And it changes throughout the day. You could have a goal to go in and speak to all of your chefs about this, this, and this. But when you show up, it's a completely different shit show (laughs) or completely. And it keeps me on my toes. It keeps as as like crazy as it is. It's that restaurant 
chaos of it keeps you on your toes, it keeps your adrenaline going, and it makes you feel that rush that you really don't get at any other job. Mm-hmm. It keeps things exciting. I imagine, you know, I was just, as you were saying that, I was thinking about... Sometimes in a bad way, exciting, but yeah. it keeps... <laughs> well, I think, so you, you both your mom and your sister are both nurses. And yeah. as you were saying that, I was like, that's probably the only other job... That's true. That yeah. kind of is, you know, you never really know, right? Like you right. go in with like an idea, okay, this is my job today. Totally. But until you get there and you walk through the door, you're like, what am I actually walking into? Right, right? yeah. Right? Yep. Um, Especially if you're, you know, a mental health nurse or, you know, working in the emergency room. I Yeah, I can't imagine that sort of chaos, but you're completely right about that, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, when I was when I was running kitchens – you know, there was two, two things that really made me feel like a sense of accomplishment and victory for a, for a day or a shift, right? There was two things. One, that I had a plan for the day, right? I had like, I had assessed all the information. I had formulated a plan of how I wanted the shift to go in the day and we were going to execute everything like flawlessly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the covers came in when they were supposed to come in and we nailed every aspect of the day. And you're like, fuck yeah, like high fives, right? (laughs) Like there's that level of success. Yeah. And then the other success that I would feel was like, if you come in and your plan goes to total shit. I was about to say, have you ever had a flawless shift? Yeah, yeah. I think I've had like, I've had like two. They're like unicorns. They're like, when they happen, you're like, wow, that was was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think I've had two shifts like that in my life that were just completely flawless. And everything went to plan and was perfect. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm the best chef in the world. Right? Yeah. But most of the satisfaction comes from when the shift goes bananas and just off the rails, it could be any number of things happen, you know, the, the hood vents go it's down a, in the middle of service. It's a roll of the dice. I mean, it could be the, the guest that walks in that just had a shitty day and wants to take it out on you. Sure. I mean, it's a roll of the dice. But that second satisfaction is is navigating that shit show and the disaster and all the chaos and coming out on top. Right. Right? Where Where all of this adversity happens throughout the shift and you have to battle each step of the way to succeed or to execute. And at the end of the day, you know, most of the guests have left happy. Most people were, you know, you know, you've navigated all of the, the, the craziness to, uh, to end on a high note. That is, so those are the two ways that I used to really feel that kind of success. Does that relate at all to what you do now currently? (laughs) No, (laughs) not at all. No, but honestly, like I think, I think because of how I assist you, it's not necessarily like, oh, I can, you know, shut my computer off and it's like, hooray, I did everything that I need to do today. It's just, did Jamie not lose his shit today? <laughs> how often does I'm that going happen? to tell okay, myself, since you said it, since I'm going you said to tell it. myself that I did a really good job today because <laughs> Jamie did not lose his shit. <laughs> That's funny. How how successful would you say that you are at your job right now then? Um, I don't know the last time you lost your... I wasn't in town if you did. <laughs> so I guess pretty successful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't lose my shit often. 
I think much of that is it has has to do with your organization and and following through on tasks because you are very efficient at getting you know shit done for sure. And then some of that obviously is like trying me trying to manage myself too and not lose my shit. No, you've been pretty successful at keeping me on the rails. <laughs> Thanks. We'll I don't know. It'd be interesting to interview the people that work for us. <laughs> See what their perspective would be on when the last time I lost my shit was. I can't remember, honestly. Yeah. I don't think you really do that anymore. No. Lose your shit. But, you know, I, there's just, there's a, challenges almost every other day. And sometimes it feels like the world, you know, you're holding up the world and... I mean, it's just, it's a lot when you're responsible for a ton of people and a lot of moving parts, there's bound, there's always bound like something to happen. It's new every single day. It's just like, how do we navigate this? How can I help? How can I keep you organized? And also, you know, just create a relaxing environment to come home to, to recharge, to do the same thing the next day. What would you say is the most challenging part of that job for you? Separating home and work and mm-hmm. making time to turn off work. Cause I think you and I naturally are like workaholics. Mm-hmm. I wake up and think about it. <laughs> you kind of compulse about it till you go to sleep. Sometimes you dream about it <laughs> and I hear it in your dreams. <laughs> so being able to like remind ourselves that, the world is not ending or at least anymore (laughs) knock on wood yeah (laughs) and that everything's going to be okay we're going to work through any problems come that come our way and just honestly just take time to turn it off just Mm -hmm. step away mentally just come back when you can come back what is your strategy for that for turning it off how do you i don't have one you don't have one (laughs) So how do you separate? No, so what's, what is, you know, how do you create a barrier or separate? I think you and I just have an agreement to our time off, days off. If I need them that specifically don't work with yours, we just communicate that. And I've been better about telling you what I need and when I need to turn it off. And if it has to be turned back on that day, I completely understand because there's always time to, to do it later. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, working on communication and I have found for me, and this might relate to you, although I think you're a lot more structured than I am, you know, the ability to be flexible, to be elastic with my work has helped me to stay sane. I think being able to not have everything exactly the way I want it all the time. Right. Right. Which was a hard lesson, I think, to learn. Cause I, I mean, I think I still have to work at it and I still, you know, you, we always want everything to be perfect, right? We sure. have a vision for it and, and the way things should be, but it never is like that. Like I said, I think there was only twice in my life that I've had that, yeah. you know, in a service or whatever. And I think the ability to be able to just go with the flow to be flexible has, has helped temper that anxiety related to to, I to totally relate and feel the same way. Yeah. And it's not, it's not something that you anticipate to say like, Hey, I really need that. But being able to go with the flow, go with the punches, it prepares you for, you know, being less anxious and be like, Oh, well, same shit. You know, mm-hmm. how do I navigate through this when you've experienced, 
I think it, I think it helps. You're right to, to keep your head screwed on. And Mm -hmm. do you think that working out, like doing a physical workout routine has, cause that's, that's fairly new. We, we both have started a new kind of workout regimen, say like a, a health regimen where we're a little more cognizant of how we eat you a little more than, than, than I, you know, being the chef, I have to taste everything. And then, you know, I always have to do, you know, my, my test, like my barometer is set. You know, I always have to try an Oreo to make sure that everything, that everything's calibrated, right? They're just as delicious as I always You're remember a them. chef. You don't have to give up the world. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, we still have to be happy in life. Right. So we're yeah. watching what we eat. We're trying to eat a lot healthier, like a more rounder healthier diet we're working out we're doing you know some weightlifting and and workout and cardio do you think that that helps do you feel healthier stronger more energetic or do you just feel like it's a another kick in the ass no i mean i think scientifically it's proven that it helps uh with those sorts of those emotions anyway but i think doing things other than work and sleep it's having that something something that is healthy for your body or whether it's like going on the sailboat you know like whatever it is Mm -hmm. is so much better than going to the bar at night or just you know what I mean doing healthier things for your body is totally the way to go as far as mental health is concerned I agree. Yes, I, I, I would say it, it helps with those emotions for sure. What recharges you? Like what fills your batteries and, and gets you like ready to focus and knock out a list or get organized or, you know, what, whatever our task list is. What are the things that helps you recharge? Being alone, being in silence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fair. And having time to just, just be with myself and whether it be you know, sleeping or just laying on the couch and watching serial killer documentaries. (laughs) No, I mean, it does. It recharges my, my batteries to just sit and be calm and do nothing sometimes. Yeah. As of right now, we have, let's see, we have two restaurants in the work, Mm -hmm. in the works right now. Hopefully we're definitely going to have one open by the end of this year, 2022. And then we were scheduled to get, Denver rolling how how do you see we're already traveling a lot between Nashville Charlotte Charleston now Denver with two restaurants on the horizon there's a lot of organization your job is about to get a bit more difficult just more things to kind of keep on schedule more keep me on schedule for more things bring it (laughs) I like it (laughs) Excellent. Are you you're ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Cool. Are you excited about Do it? Do I have a choice? Um, I mean, I'm ready for it. You don't have to answer that question. Yeah. I mean, you do have a choice. Whether no, you're ready I, for it or not, it's yeah. happening. So it's, yeah. I'm just, I guess, curious if you are ready for it, you know, how you're feeling about the growth. If you're excited, are you nervous? Are you fired up? No, I I, I'm fired up. I enjoy, oh, I don't know. I enjoy opening restaurants. You're crazy. I mean, <laughs> I think I was, I was more prepared to do that than I was the whole you going to Top Chef thing. Like I was more prepared for helping you and navigating and 
organizing, opening a restaurant, then being away from you for that long, which is something that I didn't, I just didn't expect. So let's talk about that. That's interesting. Okay. How, what was that experience like for you? Um, so, so basically, the first two for, for weeks the people, was great. So the for the people that don't know, uh, when I did, you and I were together when we filmed Top Chef All Stars. Yeah. It was in L.A. We were operating the businesses. I ended up being sequestered for what six weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. Basically pulled out of the operation, taken to L.A. under wraps. And basically, you were left behind to manage the farm. <laughs> yeah, our, our organic farm, our life, kind of keep touch, you know, keep keep abreast of what was going on in the restaurants. All of that um, was so that could... all of that was totally fine, and I was good. I I'm okay with you know for the first two weeks, but when you're I don't know. They just, they don't mentally prepare you being stripped of your significant other. And you're not, you're not allowed to like talk to them, catch up with them, see their face, see what they're up to. It is radio silence until you get an email from the producer, whoever is, uh, finally, Hey, do you want to speak to Jamie? We cannot give you a time, (laughs) but we can give you a rough estimate. (laughs) And then when I finally get to talk to you, which you're not great on the phone to begin with, (laughs) but you can't talk about your time on Top Chef, like what's going on. You're not allowed to say any of that. So I'm like, what the fuck do I talk about? Like, what can, what can I ask? What do I say? And I, all I could say was, Hey, I love you. I miss you. Can you at least tell me if you're happy? (laughs) (laughs) But the, the first two weeks I was fine and then I finally got that phone call and I was able to talk to you you sounded happy do you remember that phone call I don't I, I do what, what like what did I say I can't remember I mean I know that I couldn't tell you what was going on you just said you I told just, you where we were at I think did I tell you where the house was and stuff was you, I like hey you said you could see the Hollywood sign I you told me that you were happy and that you were confident and things were going great but that's all you could say you started asking about Disney because I was in Disney World. I actually That's pulled right. away from my mom's birthday dinner at Disney World uh, to talk to you. But literally, I, it was super brief. You had to get right off the phone. That was that was it. Yeah, they kind of put you on a time a time <laughs> yeah. crunch. It's not like okay. They don't have, tell you whether you're being recorded or not, too. You are. Right. For sure, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Everything's recorded. There's like that aspect of, I don't even know how to communicate to my best friend love of my life right now. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very, it's a very surreal experience. It's yeah. It's unlike anything. I I don't know. I do not enjoy being controlled. (laughs) I don't like being told like when I can go to the bathroom and when I have to get up and when I have to, you know, the life of a chef, right? Like being the leader of my team or the, you know, the spearhead for our our operation and then going to being basically told (laughs) how long you can be on the phone and who you can call and what you can and can't say right was very nerve-wracking for me more more so than the actual cooking competition right you know at least the second time the second the first time I was on Top Chef I was like the cooking competition was tough I just that's not how I operate but you know going through that experience then being on all-stars it was exciting. I knew what I was in for. I understood. I mean, but you had that going for you. Like I was in my still day to day. It was just without, right. it was without you. And 
I was, like I said, I was fine for the first two weeks, but when, when you get your significant others like completely gone, but you can't really talk about what's happening when you finally get to talk to him. I'm super happy for him, but like this fucking sucks. This yeah. sucks. I think it's, it was a really cool experience for you as far as like how many people you got to meet and the people, the type of people that you got to meet. So that in that aspect, like, but from a, from my perspective, from your significant other, it is not amazing, glamorous, cool, exciting. I mean, it is exciting, but yeah, the the behind the scenes. It was of super that lonely. It is, was lonely as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Well, you did great. Thanks. Yeah, good job. Uh, you won't have to do it again. Oh yeah. And, yeah, I don't think I don't think I have it in me to do <laughs> to do it unless they do like Top Chef old timers. And then I might be down for that. I mean, your season aired, though, when the whole fucking world shut down. And we were watching your season while, you know, restaurants all over the country are closing. And we don't know what the fuck's going to happen. I'm like, this is the worst. (laughs) I kind of have mixed feelings about all that. Right? Like, part part of me was, like, kind of bummed that, you know, obviously the pandemic is a bummer. Right. But the restaurants were closed. Like the, the fate of the hospitality industry was like all of the cool things that you get to experience, even after doing that, you didn't get to experience because of right. Voldemort. Like, like, yeah. Like the trips to (laughs) the the trips to like you top chef reunions and all that kind of like the, the, all those fun media promotional things and stuff. Yeah. We didn't get to do those, but like, I guess the, the airing of the season you know, at the beginning of the pandemic was a mixed bag for me, right? Like part of it was, you know, a bummer that, you know, our restaurants were closed. We just laid off a bunch of our staff and now, you know, I couldn't celebrate this like fun experience of being on Top Chef All-Stars. It didn't seem right. No, literally every chef, even on the show was like, how do I... How do I help my staff survive? What can I do? GoFundMe's because the transparency of the government was not happening and the restaurant industry as a whole had to roll with the punches and they were hard fucking punches. Right. And I don't think if you're if I don't think people can really understand unless you own the business how hard that was to navigate. And I give major fucking props to Patrick Alejandro and you for sure. What was that like for you? That like, so you were behind the scenes, you know, with me when we were having to make those decisions and, you know, try to figure out how to, what, what to do with our businesses and how to operate. What, what was that like for you? I mean, I guess a lot of my anxiety stems from like this sort of, that sort of shit happening any day preparing Mm -hmm. for that. Like your anxiety kind of naturally plays plays with the what ifs and it was actually crashing down so for me it was really really fucking hard really hard and then in what way but watching uh, i guess uh, the unknown the mm -hmm. unknown the like like emotionally like like anxiety fear like that kind of thing yeah when i mean if you have anxiety like i do it is raised to the nth degree to where it's really difficult to breathe and navigate and calmly think of ways to dig yourself and dig your team out. Like I just, I mean, you guys did it and 
you rolled with the punches and you fought them, you dodged all the bullets. And uh, I wish I could share that with everybody else, but you know what? I understand that, appreciate that, and I have that. And that's, I mean, that's okay with me. Everyone, you know, is employed and the businesses are doing good and Patrick and you and everyone's families are okay. And that's, it's just a, a shitty storm that we had to weather. Yeah, that everybody had to weather. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I feel very grateful that we are where we're at, for sure. I think there was, I believe there's an element of luck involved. But mostly, I believe, and I'm thankful, you know, for the group, obviously. I think we were better prepared than most I would, for something. I would, I honestly would disagree. I think, like, I'm going to quote Patrick Whalen. You make your own fucking luck, and you guys made your own luck. I'm not trying to, like, yep. toot your horn. You guys fucking fought. We're on top of shit, and... You didn't want to go, even though y'all could have gone belly up and just taken the money and ran. That's not what you guys did. You guys fought through it, and I was able to see and live with everybody, with all of you guys, and understand the... Literally. The, <laughs> like, literally. Yeah, the magnitude. I, I, I don't think most people realize this, and I'm not sure if we've, we've really said we it. We all shared a house during that, during right. all of that shit show. We all shared a home to navigate the shit show it was scary (laughs) so you and i you and i were forced to sell the farm yep we lived on a six acre organic vegetable farm where we grew vegetables for the restaurants and delivered them weekly um, to the different different stores we had to sell that land because we couldn't afford with the restaurants closed and without a market for for the vegetables we couldn't afford to keep the property so we lost our home we lost our business, our kind of side business for the restaurants, which benefited both us and the restaurants. And so as a result, we moved in with Patrick, Alejandro, Pat's family, and just kind of circled the wagons. Yeah. What a crazy experience that was. Honestly, like I'm really, like as shitty as it was, I'm so glad that I was able to be a part of that. I really do feel fortunate it, you know, when you go through shit like that, it makes you count your blessings and learn from hardships. And do I ever want to do it again? No. Hell no. But I have a new BFF, Charlie Whalen. <laughs> and I love the Whalen family so that's Patrick's, much. That's Patrick's two-year-old son. Um, and I feel fortunate that I was able to to do that with you guys. You know, I do too. And, and like, I, I'm, I wish that we had not had to do that. But I think that the best, you know, I feel closer to my partners now. I think that we all feel closer as a group. We have a different kind of respect for each other and our families. Yep. As a result, you know, we've had to kind of really lean on each other right. at different times throughout the pandemic to get through it. I right. mean, there were times where, I mean, I was completely coming off the rails emotionally, just didn't know what, what the fuck was going on or what to do. Right. I think that probably both of my partners felt that way at one point or another. I know that you had. Um, And then in that environment where you're there with each other, able to like lift each other up, kind of help each other through that. You know, I feel like I don't want to test fate or anything, but, (laughs) but, but like we've seen the worst, I think that we could see as a group and, and it really has benefited us um, as a partnership. 
I hope so. That's the worst is behind us. I hope so too. <laughs> I hope so too. So that said, how do you feel, you know, on the other side of all this, it seems like the pandemic is under control at least. I mean, I don't think obviously COVID is going to be gone for good, but like, it seems like it's controllable. You know, um, I think things what, are seem to be returning with to every normal. with every hardship. Like I said, there I feel like everything happens for a reason, and with that, you guys were presented some really incredible opportunities, and the sacrifice of the farm was for the best. And I think it, all in all, it it's work it's working out, it's working out just fine. Yeah. I mean, we've we've got things to look forward to. I do want to find a way to incorporate the, the stuff that we learned on the farm into our projects moving forward, whether it's chef gardens or just even the knowledge of, of seasonality of produce and just everything that we were able to learn from doing the farm, For sure. um, somehow roll that into our, you know, our everyday operation so it won't be wasted for sure. So you ready for the next chapter? What's the next chapter? Expanding to... Oh, I thought it was us getting married. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Got Let's>... <laughs> Are you ready for that? 2023? I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and you definitely won't be able to escape the restaurant no, business. No, I know, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I, th I feel like it was a good introduction into what chef life and chef organization life is I like. would like to say that I give mad props to all of the wives and husbands of people in the industry it is a really weird thing to be stripped of holidays and things like that when you've got all of these workers working holidays working night shifts for missing dinner it is something that i really enjoy as family comfort helps me sleep at night being able to have dinner with jamie some nights um, but when he was executive chef it's it's a very difficult it's a very difficult thing to learn and to navigate and props to everyone who who does that well said Thanks. Thank you for saying that. That's a, that's a sweet sentiment that I don't think a lot of um, listeners might think about is the, the people on the other side of the hospitality, right? The people yeah. who are the families of the chefs and dishwashers and servers and Man in front uh, of the managers. House managers and yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Thank you for that. That's, that's a good perspective. And thank you for sharing your story Thanks for, for, me. for people. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Bye. <laughs>